Hello everyone, welcome to the second episode of We Do Talk About That Here. We're the advocates from Safe Play Sexual Assault Center and we started this podcast as a way to talk about subjects that might normally be considered taboo. We often hear things like, that's a sensitive subject, or we can't talk about that here, but during this podcast, nothing is off the table. We are not doctors, psychologists, or attorneys. We're just advocates from a sexual assault center who think it's time to talk about sensitive subjects. So please consult a medical, therapist, or legal professional for any advice on any of these topics. This is Regina and Nicole. Hi! <laughs> With a couple of special guests today. We have Danielle from our prevention team. Hello! And Christine from our domestic violence team. Hi! So in honor of National Singles Week, today we'll be talking about singles and all that it entails because we do talk about singles here. So I want to start this podcast off by giving you some demographics about the four of us here today. We're pretty evenly split down the middle with half of us in the single category and the other half, well, they have other halves. So we're two singles and two marrieds talking about some of the aspects of life as a single. Um, and to start off, I want to talk about some of the societal and cultural pressures of being single. So what do you guys think? What are some of the societal and cultural aspects or pressures of being single? I think it's just constantly like being pushed into relationships. Like in, when you watch movies and as you're growing up, like that's always like that romantic interest is almost in every single movie that you see. So you just kind of grow up with this mindset that that should be like a top priority to you is finding that relationship and getting into that relationship. Um, so I don't always think we celebrate that time of being single. It's like the ultimate goal, right? Yeah. Like that, that's the ultimate life goal. Yeah. Get married, have kids, buy a house, you know, but what about those of us who don't go that route, you know? Um, so what about like the differences of the pressures in your twenties, thirties and forties? Cause we're a pretty representative group here. Yeah. Um, I'm the old lady of the group, just FYI. <laughs> I'm the forties and I think the rest of them are twenties. So I'm 30. I'm in the 30s. Oh, so we've got each category. That's yeah. great. <laughs> so what about societal pressure or cultural expectations in your twenties? You guys, what do you think? I feel like kind of to Danielle's point, um, especially in your 20s, like, that's when most of society, like, most people are, like, leaving college and finding their forever number one person, um, and they're getting married and they're having babies, like, immediately, um, and there's a lot of pressure on that, and I don't know, like, I'm 27 years old and I'm still single, mm -hmm. and even though, like, I'm fine with that, I still feel it, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, and I feel like there's so much pressure to to have long-term relationships mm -hmm. and to be dating and things like that. And I know for me personally, my first date was when I was 22, and that was kind of unheard of. Mm -hmm. People were so confused about me and why I wasn't dating before then. And it, it's just this huge expectation that people start dating in their teens, maybe in middle school, sometimes in high school, and that they're definitely dating in college and finding those long-term relationships in college or right after college. And then, you know, you start popping out babies by 30, you know? Yeah, when I was in my 20s, um, 
And I was like, you, Nicole, a late bloomer. My first long-term relationship, I was 28. Mm. So before I had dates, you know, casually see people, whatever. But as far as like long-term relationship, but I remember all up until that time, when even now, honestly, people ask, so are you seeing anybody? That's mm-hmm. like the first thing people ask mm-hmm. when, they, when they haven't seen you for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, so who are you seeing? Or who's, or do you have a boyfriend? Or are you going out with anybody? Tell me about your like, love life. Yes. And I'm like, you know what? No, I'm yeah. not. And I'm fine with it. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. feel like all of the family get-togethers oh, when I was awful. younger. Yeah. Gosh, I was in my teens or early 20s. And my family would be like, oh, so Nicole still hasn't found <laughs> anybody yet. Yeah. She'll find someone. Yeah. She'll... It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like I was not put on this earth to date somebody else. I am whole and wonderful just how I am. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think like the the other issue is like that defending. Mm-hmm. Like you can't mm-hmm. just say like I'm single. You felt like you have to defend like why you're single. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a big like cultural shift that needs to happen with just not even you know, you shouldn't have to defend why you're single. Right. Like, rather so, it's a choice or somebody just dumped you. Like, it is what it is. Like, I don't have to defend why I'm why I'm single. Yeah, let's stop questioning people's life choices. Yeah. I mean. Right. Nobody you know. has to defend why they're married. Yeah. Right. So exactly. Why should, why no one's like, why did you pick that person right. to be your mate forever? You right. <laughs> um, I think probably one of the, like, as you go along, like, 20s, 30s, and 40s. So now I've passed all these stages, right? I'm in this last... 40 stage. But I think for me, the hardest was in my 30s because I saw my sisters getting married and having children. My baby sister, who is nine years younger than me, mm-hmm. got married and had children. Mm-hmm. And so that was like really the time where I had um, difficulty kind of accepting the single life. Yeah. It was like, that was the rough period. But then now that I'm into my 40s, I'm like, whatever. I mean, it is what it is. I'm not going to lower my standards just to find somebody. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's the, that's, I think people don't really get that. Well, if you just, you know, marry your best friend, no. Yeah. <laughs> no thanks. Yeah. Do you find like now, like I always thought it was interesting, like in my 20s, you have like kind of these this like split, like you have like your friends that are like kind of more career driven that aren't focused on their family so much. And then you have the ones that are like, you know, like the day after graduation, they're like getting married. Mm-hmm. Um, and now like, and I've kind of seen like as I've gotten into my later 20s and early 30s, like some of those like come back like when divorces happen. And so you have these mm-hmm. people who like were really like family oriented and now they're going through like a divorce. And mm-hmm. so like, how did you, Regina, like now kind of going into like your 40s, do you like see some of those people like cycling back to being single now? Oh gosh, yeah. A lot of them are cycling back yeah. to being single. And I think, I think maybe the part of the reason is, is because Generation X, right? We married as a generation fairly young. I think like early 20s is like the average marriage age of Generation X. And so I know, speaking personally, me in my early 20s, it, I'm a completely different person than I was back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So had I married in my early 20s, I don't know if my marriage would have lasted yeah. because I'm completely different than I was yeah. at 22, 23 years old. And so, and I think that that's happened to a lot of people. Like, I know people who married straight out of high school. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. it, that are now divorced mm-hmm. on like marriage number three. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, because you don't know who you are when you're yeah. straight out of high school. Well, and if you have this pressure, like we yes. talked about, yeah. to lower your standards, then you're going to end up with somebody who isn't necessarily a good fit for you or isn't maybe the best person. And right. you feel like you're stuck with that person because you had to lower your standards. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. As a millennial myself, like I feel like not just my generation, but all of us, we kind of get this narrative that um, like you'll find your high school sweetheart and you'll mm-hmm. be together forever. And like most of the time, that's not the case. Like that mm-hmm. is the exception, not the norm. Um, and so kind of like what you were saying, Regina, like all these people are getting married right out of high school. I'm pretty sure at least like 60% of the people that I graduated high school with went straight into the military and got married. Mm -hmm. And now I know at least 50% of those are divorced now or getting divorced Mm -hmm. or on rocky terms. Mm -hmm. Like the person that you might end up with might not be the person right next to you in high school. It might not be somebody who was in your hometown. It might not be somebody in your home country. Like, yeah. there's so much pressure to just get married immediately. Yeah. You can't be alone. Mm-hmm. And as we touched on, too, that's so much of what the media portrays, too, because how much do we hear that in the songs that we listen mm-hmm. to, the books and the movies that we take in? I know that when I was in high school and middle school, all of the books that were popular at the time were romances and about these high school romances that were supposed to be lifelong. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I've been reflecting a lot on the Twilight series (laughs) because that was really popular when I was growing up and now it's uh, on Amazon Prime or something like that. And so rewatching it, it's it's uh, interesting to see having both been single during that time and now being married, mm-hmm. what that relationship looks like. Well, I and I grew up with like the princess movies. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, you watch all these like fairy tales with it and it's it's nowhere near realistic at all. Mm-hmm. No, and, and those fairy tales, there's always the man. There's yeah. always, it's all, that's yeah. the always the ultimate goal yeah. mm-hmm. of the fairy princess is to get married and find Prince Charming and look yeah. happily ever after. after. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about Barbie. You can't have Barbie because you always have to have Kate too. I just don't, oh, yeah. it's from childhood, from like little, tiny little childhood, mm-hmm. we get the message that we're supposed to be paired up, that we aren't complete until we have that other half. I think about Barbie and you're playing house, right? Barbie is having babies and Ken is going to work and they, Ken comes home at the end of the day and it's about Barbie and Ken and their family and their house and keeping a house. It's not about Barbie's career and maybe it is more now. I've seen more of the like Dr. Barbies and things like that. Even kind of like the idea of a soulmate, Mm -hmm. which no matter what you believe, you know, if you believe that there are soulmates or not, regardless of that, but it's kind of this idea, at least for me, it sounds like your soul is not complete until you find that mate. And that's so not true. Yeah. Yeah, no, the idea of soulmate, I think it's something that, society pushes on people i don't can't there really ever be just one other person that makes you feel like 
oh, then you hear like music and see butterflies and rainbows. I don't think that exists. Not with seven billion people on this planet. No. Like, I think like in my experience, like you're attracted, like, like I feel like I'm a pretty like easy person to get along with. So like there's really not that many people that I'm like super like don't want anything to do with so I'm like I feel like I could miss like every other person I meet I could like make that connection with you know yeah. and then when oh, you yeah. like you know for me personally being married like going through marriage catches you know it's like okay like love is a choice so it's like you know when you add that level on there it's like okay I could like choose to love a ton of people mm-hmm. like if I really want to and I know there are books about that too I know there's this researcher who based on, I believe, seven questions, could find out whether a couple is going to stay together or not, and then wrote this book about it and how you can adapt your relationship to be stronger and things like that. And I can look up that book and kind of pop it in a link (laughs) to with this podcast. But there are so many pieces of it, too, of what choices we make, what we can do to make our relationships the strongest. And I know we may touch on this later with kind of the domestic and sexual violence aspects of things too, but there's kind of these ways that we learn during childhood of how our parents interact with us. And we learn love from our families and for the pe- from the people that we're surrounded with as a young child. And so those are called different attachment styles, right? And we pick up those attachment styles and we find them in our future mates and partners. And it's not always the healthiest because our parents aren't always the healthiest and maybe they were doing a good enough job, but that doesn't mean that it was the healthiest. Mm -hmm. And so when we think of that strong visceral um, attachment and attraction that we have to somebody, it's based on that attachment style. And so that's kind of what we Feel, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of what I think of when I hear soulmates yeah. is that attachment style, which again isn't always going to be healthy. Mm-hmm. It's not always going to be good, and our brain is firing off all of these chemicals that make it feel almost like a drug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, gosh, that that's really challenging. Yeah. And I think that you two touched on something that's super important. Um, and I'm talking about Nicole and Danielle, the two marrieds. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the others. The others. <laughs> <laughs> Love is a choice. Mm-hmm. And it truly is. Like, and I never I did not realize this until I was probably in my mid-30s, actually. And I was talking to my younger sister who married, she was 23, I believe, or so when she got married, and married some guy 10 years older than her. Um, and it was a rough, it was a rocky start for them just because of the age difference. They were in a different country, and so there was a lot, you know. And she said something to me that has stuck with me ever since. She was like, I made the choice to love this person. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do everything in my power to stay in that commitment because I choose every day to love him. Some days I don't feel so in love, but I choose to love him because that's the choice that I made. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we don't. Like when you're in the throes of a relationship, you know, you're in the beginning, it's so much, like you said, chemical attraction and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And then when that goes away, because it will eventually, you have to have that 
choice yes. to continue loving that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think like another piece of that um, is like when people rely on, and this is why I think it's so important, like the time when you're single, is when people look to that partner to fulfill like every need mm-hmm. that they have. I know like whenever I like talk to people about it, I'm like, you need to look at your partner as you know, like they're fulfilling, they might fulfill like a big portion of it, but they're not going to fulfill everything. And that's where it's like super important when you're single to be able to have that time. Um, and I might be like jumping the gun, but like, you know, just to like have that time with yourself and really like figure out like where, what all your buckets are and how you fill those buckets up. Um, because if you don't give yourself that time when you're looking for that partner, you know, I think that's where like some of that stuff. I feel like that's where that foundation of the marriage can start to like creep away is because you look to them to fulfill everything and no one person can can fill can fill all that. So then you have this big letdown because they're not filling that mm-hmm. up the way that you think that they would. And I think that's a really good point too for us as women because I think that, and this is based on a lot of friends that I've talked to in relationships and things like that. We take on the role a lot of times of being therapist Mm -hmm. and fixer to our partner. And so we feel like we can be their everything. We can fix Mm -hmm. them. We can be their emotional support. But that's, I'm going to challenge that because that is not our job. We're not therapists. We're, and even if we are therapists, that's our full-time job. That's not what we take home at the end of the day. And, And so it's, it is about distinguishing what's ours to hold and what's not ours to yeah, hold. Absolutely. Yeah, I think what what you can learn about yourself while you're single, I think is invaluable. Absolutely. <laughs> because you have, I mean, it's really a time of like self-discovery. Mm-hmm. What do I really like? Like what what are what are things that I will accept and what are things I absolutely will not accept in a relationship? And I think that People that go from like relationship to relationship, they just jump, mm-hmm. hopped from one to another. They never have that time of being by themselves enough to discover those things. Yeah. And so you have their serial daters with they never have a healthy relationship yes. because they don't have a healthy relationship with themselves. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the most valuable things about having just time with yourself being single is... You know who you are, you know what you want, you know what you don't want. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, kind of to add on to that, if you don't like being alone with yourself, if you don't like yourself, mm-hmm. like there's some things that need to change there. If you Absolutely. can't have a relationship with yourself first, you cannot have a relationship with anybody else. Like you can't, kind of like what Nicole was saying, you cannot expect them to fill those voids if you yourself cannot fill them first. Yeah, right. We People need to get to a place where you realize and you understand that you are enough as an individual. Mm-hmm. You don't need that other person to completely complete you. Like that right. ridiculous right. phrase from Jerry Maguire that people have quoted for years. You complete me. Oh. Boo! Yeah, you do not complete me! <laughs> I think it's like... <laughs> about you know I feel like you have to be single and you have to take the time to become 100% yourself Mm -hmm. because when you're in a relationship like you need to be 100 and you expect your partner Mm -hmm. to be 100 so that you guys can work together and not that you don't pick each other up when you need it but 
again, this like it's to the same point. Like he, like my husband is not responsible for me for mm-hmm. how I feel and all of that stuff. I only have responsibility over myself. And if you don't take that time to get to know yourself and just hang out, I, I'm not, I always said like I'm my favorite person to hang out with because mm-hmm. like I can hang out with myself and watch a movie and I have a blast. And I just yeah. like I hope everybody gets to that point where they feel that way with themselves. And I think it's a process because you kind of have to look at those like you know, those cracks and those things that aren't that great and figure out, like, how you get to that point. Um, but I think it's super important. And I think, like, to your point, Regina, what you said about, like, the serial daters, like, you also, like, you have to let yourself heal from that relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, if that relationship ended, like, there's going to be some sort of, like, heartbreak or disappointment or something like that. And if you don't let yourself heal and get back to that spot, like, you're, get, you're like, 50% or 75% going into this next relationship. Um, yeah. which I think is really important. It's super important. And that's like from personal experience, I had a really bad relationship, emotionally bad relationship. And so when I, when that relationship ended, I waited maybe a month <laughs> till I, you know, found somebody else. And this guy that I had found, he was a great guy, like super nice, just willing to go above and beyond. But I was still so hung up mm-hmm. on this last relationship and this other guy that that guy never stood a chance. Yeah. Because I had not mm-hmm. dealt with all of those things from that last yeah. relationship. And so, you know, this poor guy over here that, you know, was ready for a relationship and I wasn't, it just turned into a disaster yeah. because yes. poor guy to this day still messages me like, how you doing? <laughs> oh. <laughs> She was on, she was like a month old and I said I am not going to date for a year because it was such a hard relationship and very complicated mm-hmm. and I was like until I can get that figured out and I can get these other pieces of my life figured out I can't give myself to that relationship and that was one of the best decisions um, I feel like I ever made in my life because I needed that time just to myself and I think saying like telling myself I'm taking a year break I think it took that pressure off of trying to find somebody because I was like even if somebody would say like oh hey I like I have somebody that might work for you I was like nope I'm not dating for a year Mm -hmm. and so it was so nice to just it was like I don't know I just gave myself that freedom to be able to be single and not have to defend while I'm single or not have to feel bad because I'm watching this love movie and I don't have that in my life like it just took that pressure off so I think that's like a good strategy it is, yeah. Like, to Honestly. allow yourself that time and just say this is what it's going to be. Right. To give yourself that time to celebrate your Being life. Being single. Being yeah. Single. I'm telling you, some of the best dates I've ever been on were with myself. I know. <laughs> I agree. Because you get to do what you want to yeah. do. You get to schedule right. it when you want to schedule it. You go to the movies. You don't have to share popcorn. No. Awesome. <laughs> watch whatever movie you want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> I think that it... I, I think being single is like... It should be something that's celebrated. It should be something that people, not that you're like, okay, I'm going to break up with whoever, like this great person to be single. But like, if you find yourself being single, like 
take it as this is a great opportunity to do things and work on myself and and accomplish things because when you are in that relationship you do have to compromise Mm -hmm. um like even though i get to be who i want to be in my relationship i still have to compromise things i don't get to go do whatever i want to do whenever i want to do it and especially when you have kids like that's gone that's like you just that's you know you're like the fifth thing sometimes you know Mm -hmm. so like i like really encourage you like when you're single like live it up like you have that and if it is a choice sorry i'm on a pedestal right now no go (laughs) like and if it's something that you know you feel like that's where your life's gonna be long term like that's wonderful like Mm -hmm. i really try to encourage people like you know i i'm on like the baby thing right now so like if i know that there's a couple that says like i'm not we're not gonna have kids like i try to celebrate that with them because Mm -hmm. they don't always get that and i think Mm -hmm. it's the same with being single i think you know we hit on that, but it's just like, you know, if you are single and you want to be single, like, good for you. Like, that's not, that's not a bad thing. I love that. I think that being single your whole life, like, that's fine. It doesn't have to be the end goal of get married, have kids, have a house. It doesn't have to be. I mean, at 43, I think that's probably where I'm heading. And, and, <laughs> and then it's like, and if, okay you, yeah, and if you happen to meet somebody along the way yeah. and you decide that this is somebody I want to share my life with and I want to do that, then it's more power to you. But it's not like a pressure and like, right. like you said, like an end goal. To yeah, it is it is not an end goal at this point. Just because dating's hard. <laughs> and that like beginning stage of a relationship, like it's exciting in some ways, but then it's mm-hmm. also like, I just want to be around somebody who knows me that I don't have to like tell my backstory to, to yeah. like get to that point. Yeah. Like, um. Like, if we could just jump to the middle yeah. of the yes. relationship and pass where all this Where I still think you're stuff. pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I heard a great, great analogy years ago. Um, but essentially what it says is, like, your life, you're running a race. And when you're – I don't know if anybody is a marathon runner out there. I love to run. Never done a marathon. I think it would kill me. <laughs> Quite honestly. <laughs> but, like, when you're doing a marathon, one of my best friends is a marathoner, um, like you are in your own head. Like you're not really thinking about anything around you. You're just thinking about your pace. Like you're focused kind of on you. Um, and so life is kind of like that. And then if somebody comes up and starts running next to you and you want to kind of like run with them for a minute, get to know them for a minute, kind of hang out with them. And then if you want to keep running with them, that's great. And that's kind of the analogy for dating. Like you are focusing on you because dating is not the end goal. Like the finish line is the end goal. But if there's somebody that comes up and starts running with you that encourages you and empowers you and builds you up in good and healthy ways, obviously, um, like that's what it's about. It's not about dating. It's not about getting married. And those are great things, but that's kind of going back to the, the whole core issue. It's like that's not the end goal. That's not the only reason we're here. Yeah. And I want to kind of tag along with that and then I want to ask a question. So I, I really resonated with what you were saying, Christine, about the finding the people who empower you and cheer you on during that marathon. And I think that something that we are kind of always pressured with in society is that that person is your partner or your soulmate or... Um, whoever that might be, the person that you're dating. 
but I think that other types of love are not valued Mm -hmm. enough. Mm -hmm. So your support system, your friends, your healthy family members, Mm -hmm. um, those around you who are not your romantic partner, who are lifting you up and empowering you. And I think that's just as important, if not more important than Mm -hmm. your romantic partner. Now, the question I wanted to ask is to kind of cycle back with those healthy relationships. How do we have a healthy relationship with ourselves? What does that look like and how do we get there? For me, it took a lot of work. I mean, like years of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I'm a work in progress still. Mm-hmm. Um, We're always in yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. always. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, for the longest time, I mean, probably my whole 30s, <laughs> I spent time um, just really... Not that I didn't like the person that I was, but I always wanted to be somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, Always obsessed with this thing or the other about myself. And I was never content, like, with who I was. Girl, you were hitting me right in the feels. Like, (laughs) I feel that in my soul. (laughs) And honestly, what it took, it took a really bad relationship. And it took me getting over that really bad relationship to figure out who I am. And to really come into the person I am now, um, which having a, so to me, having a healthy relationship with myself means that I'm okay being alone. Mm-hmm. Like Danielle said, you know, mm-hmm. I'm my best company. <laughs> <laughs> I make myself laugh. Even though I make other people laugh. <laughs> and that confidence. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't worry about pleasing somebody else because mm-hmm. I don't have to. Um, I, and I really, I've stopped worrying about what people think of me because that, I think, especially for women, yeah, that's such a big thing that we are, we get so caught up in mm-hmm. about what other people think of us because, well, you have media, you have all these images of what we're supposed to be. Now you have Instagram that you see these little snapshots of a perfect life. Mm-hmm. And so all of those things together, I think, make us want to reach unreachable unreachable heights yeah Mm -hmm. and so at this point i've had to work through all that stuff to just be content where i am be content Mm -hmm. with what i have Mm -hmm. and what i don't have yeah it's a hard thing to learn too yeah Yeah. like i know it really is i know for myself right now like like i said i'm 27 i'm single i have had a lot of bad relationships throughout my life a lot of them um and so right now all of this stuff is starting to hit me, and so I'm starting to do that work in myself. Like, there was a book that I read years ago, and there was a quote that really stood out to me, and the one girl was just like, search your dark corners and know them. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I am searching my dark yeah. corners, and there's some things that are there that I do not like, mm-hmm. but I'm finding them, and they're coming up. Like, I'm doing that work to try and figure out, like you said, Regina, who I really am. Mm-hmm. And, like, you cannot do that if you are focused on somebody else. Yeah. You can't know you if you're trying to know somebody else. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And I think, like, to your guys' point, like, that comparison and that social media piece, Mm -hmm. I think every time you do that, that undermines and compromises Mm -hmm. that relationship that you're building with yourself. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, when you start to get to know yourself and you're, like, comfortable, and then all of a sudden you see somebody else and you're like, oh, well, maybe now I'm not as good Mm -hmm. as I thought that I was because I'm Mm -hmm. comparing that. So I think, like, to your point, like, how you get to that, I think, like, one piece could be really, like, limiting that social media and that Mm -hmm. comparison piece with it because, 
you know, we all know, like, stuff's not real. Like, not all that stuff is real that's mm-hmm. out there. And and when it, it is put on social media like that, it is, what Regina said, it is so, even if it's not Photoshopped, it is specific right. to make it look like it's perfect. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. What I had to do really during that time of my self-discovery was I ended up getting off of Facebook and getting mm-hmm. off of Instagram yep. because... I was at this place in my life where I was super envious of these yes. mm-hmm. perfect lives that yes. people my age were having. Yes. And I was single, out of a bad relationship. I was not happy. And so I was so just obsessed almost with wanting that yeah. for myself yes. and not having it and being upset that I wasn't having, having that. That I had to cut my I had to cut those yeah. social media ties off. Yeah. And I think that's so important and that's something that I talk about a lot of times when I'm doing self-care planning is boundaries around social media. And it can be hard because our brains get stuck in this loop where especially if we're feeling really depressed or um, down on ourselves, we can just sit there and scroll for hours and hours and hours and maybe it feels impossible to completely get off of social Mm -hmm. media, but we can at least unfollow the people that are unhealthy and you know, follow empowering accounts, or we can set time limits. There are a lot of apps now that will help you kind of work on your digital wellness and just giving yourself permission to take a step back. Mm -hmm. And I think another point too is our self-talk. That's something that I talk about all the time because we often tear ourselves down and if we were to talk to anybody else the way that we talk to ourselves, it would just be awful. So I've heard of some really great exercises too where you just take a dry erase marker to your mirror Mm -hmm. and write everything that's good about yourself. Like, I love the way that my eyes gleam. I love my smile. I am worthy. I am enough. I am precious. And Mm -hmm. seeing yourself in that light and talking to yourself in that light gosh, what a healthy person that makes yeah. you. And yeah. if that's not enough, then go to therapy because <laughs> yeah. that yeah. is, I will n- never be able to say enough how much therapy is helpful for every single Absolutely. person in this world. Your so. mental health, keeping up with it from that yes. aspect is yeah. important. My college roommates and I actually did that um, dry erase marker on the mirror mm-hmm. idea. Like we did it for each other. There were six of us and so there were three girls to a bathroom and like we would just say, you know, so-and-so, I love this about you. So-and-so, like, you've got great legs. I just love your legs. <laughs> um, and we would do stuff like that. And so then when I moved out and I was on my own, like, I continued doing that for myself. I don't anymore. But, like, it was really helpful at first. Yeah. I love that. And, and, and what a way of showing, too, how it's not just our romantic partner that builds us up and mm-hmm. are our partners in our lives. It's everyone around us, everyone in our support system, roommates, mm-hmm. um, classmates, whoever. Kind of yeah. going back to a previous point that both Nicole and Danielle had said about like filling up the buckets. One of those roommates, um, I was coming out of a really bad breakup, um, and she kind of used that same analogy as far as like, you know, you're kind of a fish tank, and who fills up your fish tank? No, um, like and so I'm a, I'm a big flirt, like I'm a little bit boy crazy, not gonna lie. I have been my whole life. And so when I was coming off of that breakup, like the first thing that I wanted to do is go find somebody else. Um, and so this particular roommate was trying to dissuade me from that lovingly. Um, 
But she's like, no, you need to let us, the other six roommates that I had, you need to let us fill up your fish tank first. Mm -hmm. We need to fill up your buckets first. You need to fill up your bucket Mm -hmm. first because no boy is going to be able to do that for you right now. Mm -hmm. I think that there's something so real about that too and something that I hear a lot of this kind of craving to be in a relationship and this urge, whether it's to be hugged or touched or to be in this romantic relationship. So what can we do about that when we are just feeling like we need to be in a relationship, but we maybe know that it's not the best for us in the moment? Honest to God, I live 15 minutes from where my parents live. Um, if I need a hug, I will drive 15 minutes and go get a hug from my mom. Mm-hmm. Like, it. it's not going to satisfy every single thing ever, but if I need it, I'll go get it. And I think that goes back to like knowing your support system mm-hmm. and having that support system outside of so when you have those feelings, you know those people you can go like check in on mm-hmm. and do different things. Yeah. I'm not a super like touchy feely person, so I don't really care about being hugged. But like sometimes I need that like affirmation, like yeah. the verbal affirmation. So I'll call my sister, um, I'll call my, my mom, I'll call my best friend. And then kind of just like hash it out (laughs) with them um, to where, yeah, because being single is not easy. Yeah. Like, there's always that part of you, I think, no matter how how well you have adjusted to being single, there's always that part of you that's going to miss not having someone. Mm -hmm. There's always that part of you that's going to want to have that someone there. Mm -hmm. Um, and so having other people kind of like to, to fill that need of having that connection yeah. is super important. Yeah, I hear a lot of times, though, people that say, you know, I just don't have anybody in my life. But I think there are still ways that we can mitigate that, whether that's, you know, you give yourself a hug or you give yourself a massage or you know, if we think about the way that our brains work, when we're feeling touch-starved and when we feel like we want affection, that's because we want some more oxytocin release. And the ways that we can get that is through, again, like giving ourselves a hug, massaging ourselves. Maybe it's touching an animal. So if we have a pet or I will meet people in animal shelters and we can just go play with the cats or look at the dogs. Or something that a lot of people don't know is that eggs actually have oxytocin. So you can eat an egg and get some of that oxytocin release, which is just really odd. But (laughs) but it's an interesting thing to me. So, um, and because it is that we do talk about this here podcast, self-pleasure, you know. Like, that's how I look at it, like, being, like, and even in my life now, I look at it like these, but I truly do look at it like these buckets, like, you have fitness, you have faith, you have family, like, you have all of these different things, and it's Mm -hmm. like, who are you going to put in your life, and it's, they're not always there, sometimes you have to go search for them, or join a group, or be, like, actively, like, first you have to evaluate what's, where your buckets are being filled, and where you have that gap, and I think, like, that pleasure is, like, a bucket, and, like, Mm -hmm. how are you going to fill that if you're not going, like... Rather, you're choosing to be uh, have those sexual relationships like without that commitment, or you're doing figuring like to do it with yourself. Like, um, I think that is like so important when you're single is to figure out like what you enjoy and what yes, you don't enjoy because that is like the that is a huge part of a relationship. And if you don't know what you like and what you don't like when it comes to sex, like how are you going to guide your partner through to that? And 
for me, I'm like, if I'm not going to enjoy sex or something, like, why, why do it? Like, yeah. you know, so like, I get you compromise sometimes in, a, like, in a marriage and in a relationship with it, but it's also, like, you know, I want to make sure, like, I'm, like, not only getting satisfied, but get to, like, my, like, highest satisfaction. Yes. And that's so much of what we talked about last week, too, with consent, or last episode, uh, with consent is knowing what we like, knowing what yeah. we want to say no to, what we want to say yes to, and being able to communicate that. And I think it relates to what we're talking about this week, too, because knowing ourselves, yeah. being in healthy relationships with ourselves, and if we're feeling like we really want to be in a relationship, but we know that we're not in a place for it right now, or maybe we're in a really abusive relationship and we want our needs to be satisfied, but we're kind of scared to leave that relationship. We know that we have all the tools within us to get our needs met, whether we're in that relationship or not. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, and I'm, I don't know why it is such a taboo subject, masturbation, but it is a completely it is for women. taboo subject. But we have we are just as much as sexual. I'm sorry, I feel like I cut you off. No, you're fine. But we have we are just as much sexual as males are. Yes, and that's the thing. Like from I guess from childhood, it's really kind of pushed into girls. Like you know, that's taboo. Don't yeah. talk about that. It's not ladylike. That. It's, yeah. yeah. it's not. That's not good. Um, but if you think about it as just another bodily function that we have, because it is. You know, mm-hmm. it's like when I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm thirsty, I drink. And it's just a normal part of it life. Is, yeah. And I think that if we normalize it more, then it won't be like this scary taboo subject that people are too embarrassed to go to a sex shop because yeah. they don't want to be seen walking in and buying a vibrator. Yeah. Well, and Regina, I, I know that you and I talk about a lot in the work that we do how it can be incredibly healing after sexual abuse and sexual assault that we can kind of reclaim our own sexuality or oftentimes we see after sexual assault somebody may be hypersexual or they may be kind of asexual where they they may not have as much sexual pleasure and so it helps heal our bodies and heal our minds and and maybe it's something that people aren't ready for and that's okay too but Mm -hmm. it's a tool that we have in our toolkit yeah absolutely and I think that that's important because especially with sexual assault you know you kind of lose that bodily autonomy that you have over your life you know that's taken from you if you are in charge of your own pleasure you are giving yourself that back yeah and you're giving yourself permission to feel what you're feeling And so I think that it's super important, especially after a sexual assault, for people to really learn their bodies Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and to take control over it again. Mm -hmm. When I think to to see it in a positive way. Yeah, absolutely. To switch that narrative of it. The body's not the enemy. Yeah. Right. What about with um, domestic violence, since we have Christine here, who is our domestic violence person at at Safe Passage. Um, what What do you think is important for people after they've come out of a DV sort of situation? Just based on what I've seen and kind of experienced in the nine months that I've been at this role, obviously, because we've talked about it, but taking that time for yourself, do not immediately look for that next relationship because if you don't take the time 
as Regina said earlier, if you don't take the time to heal from this one, you're going to jump right back into the same kind of relationship. So if you're coming out of a domestic violence relationship, whether it be physical violence, emotional violence, whatever, um, if you immediately go and find somebody else, you're going to find the same person. You're going to find the mm -hmm. same traits, the same characteristics, the same behaviors, just in, a, in a, another person. So taking the time to get to know yourself again first, what are you okay with? What are you not okay with? You know, mm -hmm. what do you want in a relationship? What don't you want in a relationship? And try to dig down. It's you can't really just look at those superficial, well, I don't want somebody to hit me. Nobody wants anybody to hit them. So dig deep down, like down into not just what are you okay with superficially, but what feelings do you want to get from that person, if that makes sense. So like if somebody is abusing you and you want to avoid those feelings, you have to figure out what feelings you actually want in order to figure out what you want in a partner. I hope that makes sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so the first thing would be to really get to know yourself first. Um, and actually allow yourself time to heal. Like a yeah. lot of times, and I've been through relationships like this myself, and so speaking from personal experience as well, like we get out of domestic violence relationships and there's a flood of emotions. It's, it's a ridiculous flood of emotions. Um, you're angry, you're upset, you're sad, you wanna go back, you miss them. Like there's so many different things, there's a huge spectrum. And so giving yourself permission to grieve the relationship that you thought that it was, yeah. that person that you fell in love with at first, who you thought you were dating, who you thought you were marrying, giving yourself time to grieve that just yeah. as you would any other a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. Like you cannot, Regina, you kind of touched on this mm -hmm. earlier, you can't move on into another relationship in a healthy way, in a way that you can really be invested in that relationship until you get over the last one. Those are two, I mean, those are my two really big things from what I've seen. Yeah, I think like you said, it's um, it's really learning to know who you are. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's why participating in things like support group, participating mm -hmm. in, um, you know, programs to help you get to that point where you know what you deserve and what you don't deserve. Absolutely, yeah. Because I think that's a big part of it. Like, some of the women that we work with, you know, they're so downtrodden yeah. by just the lives that they've led. Mm -hmm. You know, relationship after relationship of abuse. And they think they deserve and it. And they think that that's all that they can des that yeah. they deserve. Yes. Well, and not only that, but we hear a lot of times, too, that they're getting messages from parents or loved ones who are telling them, that they need a partner right. and yeah. that they have to have a man in their life or a woman if it's a, a male survivor right. and that's simply not true mm -hmm. right but it's that mindset you know that and that's something that it's super important to work on is getting out of that mindset that mm -hmm. I need this in order to be whole mm -hmm. when you need to learn how to be whole as by yourself, yourself by yourself mm -hmm. right yeah, absolutely. And again, going back to what Danielle said about the buckets, like when you're in that mindset of this is all that there is, this is all that I deserve, this is the best that it's ever going to get for me. Another way of getting out of that mindset, figure out who your support group is. Is, is it your family? Is it your friends? Is it, you know, whoever, it doesn't matter. Who are your supports? And you need to go to them and have them help you fill up those buckets because 
the more that you love yourself, the better somebody else is going to love you. If you do not respect yourself, nobody else will either. If you don't love yourself, nobody else will either. Yeah, I watched this. There was a preview for the show. It was, like, so good. And it was this, like, high schooler, and he liked this girl, and she was in a bad relationship, and he was talking to his dad, and he said, you know, why is she in this relationship and his dad said we will accept the love that we think we deserve mm -hmm. Absolutely. and it's like so it was so for me it was like oh my word like and if you don't love yourself and you don't take that time to build yourself up mm -hmm. that's the love that you're going to accept and mm -hmm. that's going to keep you in that type of relationship yeah now what if somebody's support system has kind of the same messaging as maybe the abuser or just kind of that idea of you are not whole or you need to stay in this relationship or you know wow that's a really great person and you're just letting that relationship go what, what do we do with that um I, that's why i think it's important to get involved with mm -hmm. things other than your little group of people, like yeah. support group, for example. Mm -hmm. like, That's you know, huge. Mm -hmm. We run support group. Your guys' program, the domestic violence program, runs support group. Oh, yeah. And you learn invaluable lessons. Like, you learn things that you learn about boundaries. You learn about healthy relationships. You learn, you learn to identify things that you've maybe never thought about before. Mm -hmm. So I think if you have, if you have another resource, take advantage of that resource. Yeah. And I think um, really like remembering like things that you used to do as a child maybe that brought you joy and just saying like once a month I'm going to go do this activity that brings me joy because it starts to build that but it also then you start to build those relationships with people that are doing something that you enjoy that hopefully may have a different um, narrative for you with that um, I think is you know, an easy step that you can try to take with that. Mm -hmm. It brings up another good point that if you are in a relationship with somebody, it's really important to have your own interests and your joint interests. Mm -hmm. Like Absolutely. you cannot do every single thing together. That's not healthy. Like you're allowed to have your own friends. You're allowed to enjoy your own things. And you should. And you should. Yeah. Absolutely. And we should. all know that person that whenever they're in a relationship, they become the person that they're with. And that is, sadly, a very unhealthy thing to do. But I think when you don't know yourself, yes. Mm -hmm. yes. it's because you don't know what you are and you just suck up what that other right. person is doing and that's where it comes. Right. Where it's like when you know yourself and you spend time with yourself, yeah. you can say like, no, I, don't, I know I'm going to do that. If I do that, I'm not going to enjoy that. And mm -hmm. this is my free time today and I want to do something that I'm going to enjoy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Trying new things, kind of to what you were saying, oh, Danielle, yes. when you're dating somebody and you, and you don't know who you are, so you adapt to their identity, it's kind of a really unhealthy way of trying something new. So like when you're single, like what I'm doing right now, I'm trying to do everything. Like what do I like? What don't I like? I can't tell you how many different things I've tried. Like I just did a solo trip out to the mountains. It was good and bad at the same yeah. time, but it's fine. But you know, like it sounds kind of kind of silly at first, but try new foods, try a new sport, date yourself. Right, yes, try yes, a different kind yes. of book. Like I'm an avid book reader and I know what I like, but you know what? Maybe if I try this nonfiction something over here, I might like that. And I think it's okay like when you have those like people who maybe are telling you things that you don't 
really like align with or you're trying to take that time I think it's okay to kind of put a pause on that relationship too like you know not necessarily that you have to like come out and say like oh I'm not going to talk to you for a couple weeks or like I'm ending this relationship but I think it's okay for you to take that time where you're not engaging or interacting with them because sometimes you do need that break to kind of have that other perspective allowed in you know if they're filling your headspace with stuff you don't have room for other things and and that's part of too of getting to know yourself as you realize like what relationships are really important and what relationships are not important and aren't making you become your best self I mean we tell our daughter like you know you're going to become who you're around and look at the people who you're around do you want to be like that do you want that type of life and if you do then great that's where you should be drawn to if you don't then those are the people you need to stay away from Mm -hmm. and so I think you know it's okay to kind of take that that step away because you do like you don't realize stuff when you're in it. It's the same when you're in a, a DV relationship. You know, you don't always realize you're in that when you're in it. Right. It's until you step back or right. if there's people outside looking in that see those warning signs that know that can clue you in that something's going on. It's the same with other unhealthy relationships or people that they're not, again, trying to get you to your best self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's very similar to what we talked about with social media, too. Yes. It's almost on the same vein where we can take that break or set boundaries in mm-hmm. healthy ways and then, you know, check in with ourselves. How are we feeling? What kind of cues are our bodies telling us? Are we, you know, feeling less stressed? Are our jaws less clenched? Mm-hmm. Are we breathing a little bit better? What is that like for us? Mm-hmm. I think keeping that journal, like keeping a journal Absolutely. on like how you're feeling and like this is what I interact with or engage with today and this is how I feel from mm-hmm. that because sometimes you need that written and then you need to visually be able to see like what my reaction was mm-hmm. to that situation. I think uh, especially as women, we have the tendency to want to please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we're pleasers, oh, yeah. right? So I think a lot of times we kind of get forgotten. We ourselves forget us because we're so busy trying to please the person that we're in the relationship with. And then I think that that ends up becoming, you end up in a codependent relationship because now your pleasure is connected to their pleasure. So if they're having a bad day, you're having a bad day. If they don't say good morning to you first thing in the morning, it sets the tone for the day. And that is such an, I've been there. Oh yeah. Oh Oh, my gosh. My, my really super unhealthy relationship. Oh yeah. My emotions were so dependent on this. Literally, like if he didn't talk to me for an hour over text, I was like, oh, he's breaking up with me with all this in the world. And that is so unhealthy. Yeah. So you have to learn how to not be that codependent person Mm -hmm. where your happiness does not depend on them. And I think even when we're in relationships that we need to take some of this advice of, having a healthy relationship with ourselves and dating ourselves because that was one of the biggest things that I learned in my relationship and even while being married was I need to take myself on dates. I need to buy myself flowers. I need to make myself happy and do the things that are good for me, are adventurous for me, and are all just me and independent without my partner. Yeah. And 
my partner needs to do the same and we can do things together but we have to have that time apart yeah absolutely absolutely. and i think like you know we always talk like power and control within like dv and the essay you know and i think that's like a big piece of that like realizing like i don't have control over that other person or how that other person feels or how that other person is going to make me feel i only have control over myself and how i feel and i can decide if I'm going to let, you know, those text messages do that, I have a choice in that. And I think that's really powerful when you get to that point where you realize, like, I have a choice in how I react to this or how this makes me feel. But if you don't know, you know, it goes back to that, like, loving yourself. yourself. And if you don't feel that way about yourself, you forget that you have a choice in that. Yeah. Every single morning, and part of this is just because of the job that I have, but every single morning, like, I have to remind myself in my car on my way to work that I am only responsible for myself. Yeah. I'm not responsible for anybody else's choices, for anybody else's happiness. But I, I mean, I've had to remind myself kind of the opposite too. Like nobody else is responsible for my choices. My reactions are my happiness. Like that's on me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm just going to share real quick because this was like an epiphany that I had with choice. You know, like I've always struggled with my weight and I always like try different avenues for Mm -hmm. it. And I, you know, when I was younger, I used to kind of put that responsibility on other people. You know, like, like I wouldn't look at myself as I'm the reason why mm-hmm. I struggle with my weight, you know? And I always put that, and I had this huge thing that it was like, you know what? I'm actually, like, choosing to be the size that I am. And it was, like, such this, like, mo- like mind-blowing thing because I'm like, I have the opportunity to work out or do this mm-hmm. or do that. I'm choosing not to. I'm choosing where I'm putting my time, and I'm not putting my time into that. So... I have so it made me like be able to think like if somebody ever like attacked me for my weight I could be like I could stand firm that like this is a choice that I'm making and then I can decide I'm either gonna stay with that choice and be comfortable with who I am where I'm at in my weight or I'm gonna make the choice to change that and I think that you can apply that kind of theory and thought process with different aspects of yourself and I think that's a really good process to go through when you're single like like I'm choosing where I'm living I'm choosing like this like given I understand there are like other barriers that people like face with that Mm -hmm. um that's it's not always easy and cut and dry with that but some of those things we do have that choice with yeah Um, absolutely kind of poked my soul yeah I was literally like it was like this I literally (laughs) came back and was like I am the weight that I am because I choose this I'm choosing this weight I act like I don't like it and Mm -hmm. that I hate Mm -hmm. it and I'm you know upset about it but really it's a choice I'm making for myself and I have to choose to either fix it or love it and right now I'm going to choose to love it because I'm not ready to fix it love that I had a similar epiphany recently too like a little bit of my background like I was abused as a child and like grew up in that abusive situation um and so like my victim mindset is still hanging on I hate it like I really just want to like I'm trying to get rid of that victim mindset but like it's it's fairly deep-rooted yeah and so I had this epiphany I don't know, maybe like a week or two or a month ago. Who knows? I can't tell time. It hit me. Like, the person who abused me is no longer doing that. Like, he's not trying to get to me. He's not trying to get a hold of me. Like, he's not doing anything. Like, he's actually respecting my wishes. and, Mm -hmm. um, And so it occurred to me, I'm like, I carry this. Because I choose to continue picking it up every yes. single morning. Yes. And, like, yes. it reduced me to tears, and I'm yeah. very angry about it. But, like, it's the same kind of thing. Like, yeah. I'm making a choice Yes. to pick this up. I'm making a choice to carry this around with me yeah. and let it crush me. Yeah. 
And I think that's the thing. Like, I think when you're in, like, a DV relationship, you forget that you have that choice. And Absolutely. sometimes it's because, you know, that because of that abuse, like, they isolate yes. you and you do all this stuff, which is awesome. Like, the services that we provide where you do have a place where you can go and really be able to be with yourself and build yes. yourself back up. Um, but I think just, like, remembering that you have those choices. You and always that have a choice. Yeah, and that there's other options out there, even if you feel, like, very, you know, at the bottom, you know, and I think that's where we always try to like encourage people to get to that place to be reminded that they have mm -hmm. that choice um, because they do and there are those resources and support out there for people Absolutely. to get to that point. And I always have the mindset too of if you're somebody who is harming someone else, you also always have that choice exactly. to Absolutely. the good choices and to heal for yourself to as we talk about with people who are in domestic violence relationships and sexually abusive relationships, mm -hmm. if you are the person that is doing that to somebody else, you have the choice to take care of yourself and to go to therapy and to get to a point where you are healthy for yourself mm -hmm. and for others. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause I think the, I think, you know, when you look at like abusers and like, you know, that pattern and everything like that, you know, they need to have some self love and like, absolutely. you know, yeah. you know, there's a lot of layers to that as to why they're acting that way. And yeah. I think, you know, that's really not talked about either, you know, mm -hmm. that they need that. I always say we need to be our biggest cheerleaders. I tell my daughter that all the time. It's so true. Like, we need to be our biggest cheerleaders. Like, the world's going to tear us down. The world's going to have these unrealistic expectations. Or we're going to get on social media and do different things. And we don't have our backs. Right. Who if I, if I don't have my backs, who else is going to? Exactly. And I'm worth it. And I'm worth it to stand up to myself. Absolutely. And I'm worth it to give myself that time to find out who I am and to love myself. And everybody is worth that. Yep. And that's another thing, like, if you can't have your own back, you can't have anybody else's back now, 100% either. Yeah. And I think that it's important to remember, too, that having your own back is an end of yourself. I think we often have those caveats of, like, I need to fill up my cup so I can um, help others. You know, you can't pour from an empty cup. Or yeah. I need to put on my, like, airline gas mask, oxygen mask, before I can help, yeah, like, this child. But it's okay to just do that for yourself. Yes. And, and so I, I think realizing that can be a huge epiphany as well. Mm -hmm. And it can be simultaneously. We don't always get this opportunity to say, I'm going to take all of this time to myself to be able to find out who I am, you know, it's throughout life you're right. doing this, yeah. and so you have to realize too, like, you know, at least for me, like, this, getting to the point where I truly do love who I am, like, it's, wow, other shit, you know, is going on oh, in yeah. my life, it's you a know, process. it's why yeah. work is still going on, that's a roller coaster ride, or it's why mm -hmm. this, or it's the same time when this bad relationship is happening, you know, getting over, you know, mm -hmm. um, but I think, I think that the big piece about this and the single piece is like, this is when you, you truly have more of that time yep. to be able mm -hmm. to dedicate to yourself, mm -hmm. where when you're in other relationships or you have kids or things like that, you know, it takes away from that time where you can find yourself. Yeah, when you're, you're single, you don't have interferences, you don't yes, have the other, the exactly. Other interferences that you do when you're not. And sometimes you have to choose to not have those interferences oh, gosh, yeah. right. to be able to find that. Absolutely. Yourself. You can make yourself a priority yes. when you're single. 
I appreciate you bringing that full circle. And I think that this has been such a great conversation. Um, I do want to wrap up because I think we've had so much to talk about with this that we've gone over our hour, which is amazing. We might have to have a part two. We We might. We might. Yeah. Keep us posted if you want a part two. I feel like Valentine's Day is always the best time too to talk more about singles. They don't get enough love at Valentine's Day. No, we don't. They don't. <laughs> Singles don't. And that is like the worst time. Like that's when uh, you yeah. feel it the is. worst about being really single. So I agree. We should. Yes. I hate Valentine's Day. You hate Valentine's Day. So whether you're single or married, we hope you've enjoyed the topic as much as we have. Uh, we'd like to encourage everyone listening just take some time and take care of yourself today in whatever way that feels right for you. Uh, please make sure to subscribe to our podcast channel and social media pages so you never miss an episode. As always, if you need support, don't hesitate to reach out to our helpline at 812-932-7233.